I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and today with us. We have Devrat, and we are going to be talking about fitness. Now, this is somebody who's a friend of mine, and who I've been following for years now. I absolutely love his approach to fitness. I'm a big fan of the way he moves, his understanding of fitness, and I've always wanted to have him on the podcast. And we are finally making it happen. So, Ninja Dev, welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. Thanks, Ash. Lovely being here. Dev, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um. So. when i think about it um it's i feel like underlying it's the same thing like if i have to kind of get into something in in fitness uh maybe there are certain pillars which are very common um just to give you an example like i probably will not be somebody who will uh coach bodybuilding even though i've done it and i've had experience in it not as a not competitively but you know as as a way of training um so there are certain things in terms of the workshops and the way that i teach in the gym or the way that I, my team or my trainers teach in the gym or what we kind of impart even in the online education is very aligned i would say so even if i do get into another vertical in the future uh it would be in those same lines so yeah it does sound like a lot but it's somehow kind of all come together well to kind of start way back in the day uh just like any bangalorean i first did my computer science engineering right <laughs> that so, is a mandatory yeah. thing <laughs> yeah it's like you do engineering and then you figure out what you want to do with that <laughs> right so that's exactly what happened with me but of course before that i was kind of always in sports and i also taught kickboxing part time and i danced with a semi professional group so i kind of had a little bit of movement background uh, in me before i actually kind of got into fitness full time and then yeah i did about a year and a half of the corporate life and just realized it's definitely not my scene and uh, the whole time that i was working with this company i was just like sitting there and reading up fitness articles etc but eventually kind of made the switch into professional the fitness industry about 11 years ago i think and yeah and since then it's been great so i'm essentially a, a strength and conditioning coach that's how i started with the intention to work with athletes and sportsmen did that for a while but now i co-own a gym called the academy of strength so it's a functional training and a strength and conditioning facility a movement space as well and um i also have an online training company with my co-founder called sweaty ninjas and so essentially these are the two things that keep me busy and then of course i'm also an animal flow master instructor so that and ifa certification so that's another organization called international fitness and aerobics academy so i'm a master trainer for that as well so i kind of do certifications and workshops in different parts of india so yeah so that's pretty much what i do that that's my bread and butter dude that's a ton of things that you've done huh like doesn't it ever get confusing doesn't it like turn into bhilpuri or khichdi in your mind because each of them have a different like philosophy behind you know movement and strength and all of that right and how did you decide on these aspects of fitness that you want to focus on you know like this is the thing that actually makes sense when it comes to fitness like obviously share like what are your philosophies behind it but like how did you reach those i think just through experience ash because when i started uh you know just like most guys the intention was to go to the gym lift heavy weights get jacked get big and i did that like my normal body weight which i am right now is about 70 i'm kind of toggled between 68 and 70 and uh, there was this point 
about 10 years ago when I was, you know, into hardcore lifting and I was eating this bodybuilding diet, et cetera. And I, and I put on about 12 or 14 kgs wow. of just like muscles. I was like 82 or 84. So I felt big. I felt, I mean, I looked strong and I looked big, but I didn't feel great. So as I mentioned earlier, like because I came from a little bit of a movement background, I felt like the way that I started was starting to move. It wasn't the same. Like I've lost that, you know, the mobility, the fluidity in, uh, in me. And you, and sometimes you feel a lot older than you actually are when you're packing on that much muscle and you're kind of focusing on just that one aspect of fitness, which is strength. So that kind of got me. Strength and hypertrophy. um, That's basically what you were focusing on. Correct. Hmm. Correct. Yes. So I started exploring a little bit of yoga and I still do it, but more like a self-practice. And yoga for me is a lot more spiritual than actually a physical practice. So that's there. That's a constant. But then I started exploring other movement training disciplines and animal flow is something that I came across. I saw Mike Fitch, the creator of animal flow, kind of one of his videos. And I was like, mind blown, like, what the hell? I want to move like this. And yeah, so that's where I think I feel like it gradually happened because the way that I, you know, I started to understand what works for me, what doesn't work for me. And I'm also the kind of person who looks at fitness more from a long-term perspective. So if you're going to tell me, okay, I'm going to make this many gains right now in the next one month, and that wouldn't interest me so much as compared to if you say, okay, I can continue to do these things. And then that's going to keep me healthy and active when I'm 70, 80 years old. So I'm kind of finding that balance and I'm still doing it. It's not like I figured it out, but I'm still trying to find that balance where I can still look aesthetically pleasing. But at the same time, kind of take care of my body in such a way that I can continue to do what I'm doing right now in, in 20, 30 years or more. So have you figured out what this definition of fitness is for you? Uh, I feel like it evolves. Like it's not it's not a constant. Like if, if I think about it now, like every, let's say, two years, three years, a person's definition of fitness changes. And I think it should. I don't think you should kind of, you know, restrict yourself and say, OK, this is because I see a lot of people do that. And uh, sometimes what happens is if you don't evolve at the time and, you know, everything's changing, right? You're getting older, your body is changing. Um, uh, there's new science that's coming up. A lot of people are telling you what, what they were so sure about was what was working about five years ago is right now possibly telling you exactly not to do. Correct. So, so I feel like there is no fixed definition of fitness. But if I had to just like maybe sum it up in a few words, if Definitely, the first one would be longevity. Second one would be mindful when it comes to both, of course, training as well as nutrition. And yeah, and something that basically keeps you going, like something that you can really enjoy doing. Because if you're going to kill yourself in the gym every other day, you're not going to do that for too long. Let's talk about that. I think that is a very important point that you raised. So one is longevity, of course, is super important. Um, Having fun with what you're doing. But this part about killing yourself in the gym, right? We've we've got this entire mindset of go hard, go home. And, you know, if you spend any time on Instagram, you're going to be bombarded by, you know, push it <laughs> and, and like, like sweat, you drop those kind of memes. What is your theory on, on that? Because that is how people typically end up judging a good workout, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's come from, as you said, you know, a lot of the stuff on the internet. And uh, it's not that it started just a few years ago, it's always been there. Like if you see like your, you know, veteran bodybuilders, like your Ronald Coleman lifting. Yeah, exactly. Right. So he's lifting some crazy amount of weight and, 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 you know, he's constantly giving you these motivational kind of words like lightweight baby, as you said. And so I feel like, you know, people aspire to be like these guys and, but 
what people don't understand is firstly these guys are freaks of nature firstly you know they're blessed <laughs> with you know certain things which not everybody is right second thing is they are professionally doing this like for them it is literally go home or, uh, go hard or go home because if they don't do it then they're going to lose their job they're going to lose their titles everything so it's okay to aspire to kind of train like that and really go crazy like even for example crossfit right now which has been huge from the last about maybe 10 years the ones that who are really pushing their bodies are the ones who are competitive crossfit athletes and these guys are training like 8 hours a day and their whole life revolves around that it's okay to do that if that's your professional if it's your profession and if you're doing that for a living but then if you're going to take like an average joe and get him to the gym and ask him to kind of lift heavy put him in a competitive environment do multiple reps at a time with no rest and do it till you puke and stuff like that it's not going to work i mean it will probably kind of as i said you know as you mentioned also it makes for a good video but uh, i don't really subscribe to that kind of fitness i mean i did do as i as i mentioned earlier like i've tried pretty much every form of fitness out there so i've i've done bodybuilding as i mentioned i was a crossfit coach and i worked in a crossfit gym for a couple of years so i did do the you know the heavy lifting the high intensity stuff and in fact even once kind of submitted videos for crossfit open etc etc so and i saw how it really screwed up my body just in a small fraction of like maybe a few weeks what, i could what, see what like you know like i tweaked my back and then there was like another hamstring pull and you know because as i said like you're lifting almost maximal sub maximal weight mm. in a very short period of time and you're trying to outdo every other person in the world right so obviously forms out the window and are you really prepared for that kind of lifting and training maybe not and just to kind of add to the fact that most indians are not as gifted as let's say an average american not because of genetics genetics is something that you can always kind of you know work against but because when americans grow up in school they start sport very early they have like a weight training class they have a gym class etc but whereas i mean i'm sure you you had the same experience for us pt class was just like stupid drills where we just move and it's all so there's no foundational strength for most people who uh, you know who let's say get into a crossfit gym back in india and i saw that i saw that first time with a lot of clients who are trying to be this you know person that they're seeing on youtube but then their bodies and body so i would say I wouldn't say it's bad I would just say that it's not for everybody. So I completely yeah. agree with you in in school it was almost a joke what PT class was and and even later on exactly. you know when I started going to the gym everyone would make fun of me saying that acha you're becoming a bodybuilder now right gyms were for bodybuilders it was almost that set mentality like gym for fitness yeah. didn't even exist as a concept this was before running even was yes. as big as it is now but nobody did anything for fitness for their bodies and i think we at least we're seeing that transition taking place in india that's a huge huge sure. step forward yeah and i know many people Absolutely, who are listening yeah. to this podcast probably aren't doing things for their fitness right they are saying they want to but they've not just not got around to doing it what is that mind space or that space that people should start to approach fitness from like how should a beginner come in what should the mind space be should they be go hard go home should it be something else should it be i will go for a walk where do you think people should start this i think like if they are a complete beginner it it definitely helps to get professional help as expensive as it might be to kind of take up a personal trainer for example it's i think it's absolutely worth it 
even if it's just for a few sessions in the beginning. It could just maybe be like three sessions, right? And try and get the most out of those three sessions by understanding the basics, understanding how exactly you need to kind of form your workout, how should you go about that path of yours, which is obviously very new to you. Definitely know go how to go home for a beginner. That's one of the things that will definitely put you off because you're not going to feel great if you go all out in the beginning and your body is just not, not going to cooperate. And uh, the first feeling that you're obviously going to get is that working out sucks, right? Because you're not going to like it. So I would say in the beginning, do something that you enjoy, do something that's really easy, and then you slowly build up the intensity from there. How do you build up the intensity? You know, again, that is something that one of your trainers or your coaches can help you with. But it could just be understanding, okay, I've done this many reps today. Next week, I can maybe increase that a little bit. Maybe I took this much of rest between my sets this time. Next time, I'm going to take a little less rest. Maybe I worked out for about 30 minutes. Maybe tomorrow I can run for 35. So it's just about making these small increments. And it's also very important to kind of, I would say, like if you're working out by yourself, like this is something that I tell people, a lot of my clients as well, especially animal flow and you know movement-based uh, kind of exercises, is that record yourself. So even if you're doing regular functional training, for example, just take like, you know, short clips, videos of yourself whenever you're training, because that will give you firstly a lot, really good feedback, firstly, in terms of your form, but also you will then compare yourself in about a week, in a couple of weeks, and you'll see how you've changed. Because what happens in the beginning is you don't have that experience to actually see, okay, I've improved. It just might feel like, yeah, I've been doing this for like now a month. I started a month ago and I don't feel like I've changed. And uh, sometimes aesthetical changes might take some time. But just the way that you move, certain form that you've kind of corrected yourself and, and the fact that maybe you're now able to kind of last a little longer than before. So kind of tracking these small things will really make a big change. And I feel like, you know, those are those small milestones which will keep you going. So, yeah, I think tracking is, is vital. Tracking is vital. Either what weights <laughs> you're lifting or your form in whatever it is that you're doing some to show that this progress is taking place. Without seeing yeah. that progress, it becomes very disheartening, you know, to continue yes. on this journey. I love it. I remember yeah. when we started off uh, working out, we just had our camera phones and uh, no tripods and stuff like that existed. So we used to use yeah. our shoes to keep the phone <laughs> in and record using the shoe as a tripod. Well, I still use water bottles. Still, yeah, there you great. go. So, so anything around you so that you get that feedback. I know like gyms that have mirrors, but still in a mirror, you have to move your neck to one side to look at yourself. Doesn't work. Use a phone, record yourself and then see the progress that takes place in the form that you have. Absolutely. In fact, in, in, in my gym, I've made sure there are no mirrors. Oh, no mirrors. No mirrors. The only mirror is in the bathroom. So you can finish your work and go check yourself out. The, the, problem, the, biggest problem, <laughs> the biggest problem with mirrors is that, like you said, if there's a mirror, people are going to want to look at themselves. And then you have to position your body in a certain way for a certain exercise. And your neck is and your neck and your head is part of your body, right? So the minute you're going to try to look at yourself, even you know, and you'll see this happening every day in multiple gyms is like people will be standing in front of a mirror and doing deadlifts for example right Correct. so they're lifting really really heavy weights they're keeping their the rest of their spine yeah their thoracic and your lumbar spine all of that neutral but the cervical spine which is the part of which is your neck basically is always kind of cranked up because as they're going down they're still trying to look at themselves in the mirror all right? perfect so, right up till your neck and then it goes yeah. to the toss. And, and that's one of the you know common injuries that happen, kind of tweaking your neck or your upper traps getting too tight, etc. because you're going into that too much extension uh, in the neck. So yeah, so using the mirror is something that that is 
uh, not ideal, in my opinion. So, Dave, right in the beginning of the podcast, you told me about you know these fundamental pillars that you've built, you know your ideology on or, or the way that you're structuring your business and the various aspects of it. What are these pillars? So one is, of course, what I mentioned earlier, which is longevity, mm-hmm. kind of, and that was one of the primary reasons for introducing mobility and animal flow and those kind of practices into the routine that we teach at the gym itself. So it's not that you just come and do your strength and your endurance training, but you also, you know, make sure that you take care of your joint health, which might not make you sweat buckets, or it might not like leave you super sore. Uh, but it does a lot in terms of, you know, making sure that your, um, your workouts are that much more effective when you come back the next day. Or if you do, little, let's say, a little bit of mobility training before you actually start to lift weights, you will see how your range of motion is increased. It's going to keep you going for longer, etc. So they're not fancy looking workouts, but they are the ones that will actually keep you going for longer. So how do they help uh, so in longevity? As in they prevent damage? How do they work? Yeah. Yeah. So, so essentially, when you are... Uh, kind of let's say lifting really heavy weights just to give you an example and if you're constantly doing it at a limited range of motion what's happening is you're eventually going to kind of keep shortening the length of every muscle right so in order for your muscles to be healthy uh, you also have to lengthen them so it can't just be like okay I'm going to continuously do a certain exercise and work on strengthening and you know hypertrophy and kind of getting that let's say for example the bicep peak right so if you see the bicep curl done in a typical bodybuilding fashion it's a very you they don't express full range of motion it's a very short range and it's multiple reps and then they constantly keep going so there is no concept of okay how do i improve the range of motion in that elbow joint or my shoulder joint etc so by kind of working on your mobility and opening up the joints to for the muscles to go through that full range of motion then yes so one is as i said your your muscles don't there's lesser chance to get injured because the healthy length of the muscle is maintained. And I've also realized that flexibility training is lacking in most people. Unless, of course, you're in the opposite end of the spectrum. Let's say you're a yoga instructor and you're working a lot on your flexibility, but that can also be a deterrent in the sense that you've not worked enough on your strength and your mobility. So getting stronger in end ranges, for example. So if I get into a split, it might mean that I'm flexible, but it might not mean that I'm necessarily, my mobility is great. I might not have the kind of strength in that end range. So kind of finding that gap between the two, you know, where you're working on your strength, but you're also working on your mobility, keeping in mind that you also have to be flexible. So I can't just do mobility training and work on my joints, but I also have to maybe do some very orthodox static stretches at the end of the workout. Hmm. So one is this, you know, with respect to training, kind of maintaining longevity. I think that's one definite pillar. And of course, you know, that carries, that concept kind of carries into nutrition as well, right? So, you know, you start looking at what are the things that you can eat, which is going to keep me healthy in the long run, as opposed to, okay, I need to eat this much protein every day to maintain my muscle mass, which is great for your aesthetics, but also... Is it going to help you in the long run? And do you really need this this much of protein in your body? So you kind of try and figure out what kind of a percentage of macros works for you, for your lifestyle. And then another thing which I would say is uh, is paramount is just being mindful, mindful and aware. So how does that translate to training? Something as simple as mind-muscle connection. And, uh, you know, I could 
do the same workout. Let's say I'm running on the treadmill and I can just stare at the television screen and you know run for like an hour, and I'm still burning my calories. Or talking to someone on the phone nowadays, video calls on the yeah. treadmill are like the thing. Exactly. Or like you know, I do like a heavy uh, set of let's say squats, and then while I'm resting, I'm just looking at my phone and I'm completely switched off. So uh, that's something that we don't allow in the gym. You can't just like you know. Uh, in the middle of the workout, go check your phone, etc. I mean, not that you know we lock up your phones or anything, but it's kind of understood. You know, that's the kind of culture that we've built. Nice. Where if you're coming in to work out, like for that one hour, you're completely there. Mm. So it doesn't matter if you're resting or if you're in the middle of a set. So so that kind of promotes that mindfulness, and I feel that also kind of really translates onto the rest of the three that outside of the gym because you're constantly talking about these things. So obviously, you know, you you kind of put a seed in there in their subconscious mind so you know when they're out there they're always thinking about okay what's the right posture to sit in okay if i've been sitting for too long then okay this is a reminder for me to get up maybe just walk a bit maybe stretch what is the kind of food that's going into my body is this going to really help me in the long run stuff like that so i would say that's another big pillar we're gonna take a quick break see you on the other side Welcome back. All right, let's jump into the conversation. I love the way that you put the word academy in, in your, you know, in the way that you've created the facility because academy is a place where you study, you know, you practice. And I think the way that yes. you've described it, it's all these things put together. You're constantly learning the different kinds of movements and you're constantly changing with them. Yeah. So the two main reasons why we named it the Academy of Strength, the word academy, like you mentioned, one other thing is that, you know, people don't just come to just spread it out there. It's more about, it's almost like they're getting a, a course in how to train, how to eat, how to live. So there's a constant learning for the member. So every hour that they spend there, there's something that they take back, which they can then apply. Uh, another reason is, of course, we also train the trainers in the gym. So uh, we have our own internship program where, you know, wannabe coaches can come in and kind of understand uh, both the practical as well as the theoretical aspect of training and nutrition and basically kind of be prepared to take up a certification and then eventually become a, a trainer or a coach. Yeah. Fascinating. Now, okay, take an example of like the way that I like to train, right? I love the gym hypertrophy kind of exercises, right? right? Now, right. how would I incorporate all these other aspects? You know, like, should I be incorporating yoga? Should I be incorporating animal flow? Should I, like, how should I put these things in to the way that I train? Okay, that's a good question. So I love hypertrophy too. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, so when I say I'm into mobility and animal flow, I realized that because I did that for a while, but I completely stopped lifting weights and I went the complete body weight route. Did that for about six months or for quite a while, almost a year. And yes, I did move really well, but I felt like I was losing a lot of muscle and absolute strength. You know, how much weight I can lift, of course, was also kind of coming down. And, and I didn't like that. So that's why, you know, the whole idea of finding that balance between the two. But uh, I would say, like, if somebody needs to figure that out, I for sure, like I said earlier, you know, work with a trainer and do an assessment hmm. in the beginning. And a simple assessment. It doesn't have to be a, you don't have to go to like a physiotherapist or anything. Like a qualified trainer should be able to tell you what are you lacking in. You know, some simple exercises and stretches will tell you whether you're strong or weak in certain areas, whether your posture needs to be corrected, if there are some imbalances. And if you are kind of too tight in certain areas. So then if I can figure this out, then I can plan my week and my, 
you know, phases accordingly. So let's say hypertrophy is something that I do not want to stop doing because that's what I absolutely love. Do that. And let's say you figure out, okay, four days a week, if I'm going to do hypertrophy, and that's something that I really enjoy, and I don't want to compromise that, then look at what you can do on the other two or three days. So maybe you can fit in after what your trainer or your person who's done the assessment has kind of given you an idea. Now you know, okay, my hamstrings are super tight, my hip flexors are super tight, my upper body is fairly okay, but my lower body is the problem area. Then I know, okay, I need to incorporate some, maybe some static stretches for my lower body in those other two days. I also need to include some mobility work to kind of improve my range of motion in the hip joint, for example. So if you can figure out, okay, this is the balance that works for me, then you can try it. And again, you're never going to find a perfect plan. You just have to kind of jump into it, do it, see if it works. And then if it doesn't, you know, switch things up. And keep evolving it like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, But yeah, I definitely wouldn't recommend doing something which you don't enjoy. Mm. Like if you're saying you're somebody who likes lifting, you should lift. But you just have to understand what are the pros and cons of doing that. And then try and, you know, reduce the cons as much as possible. That's that's what strength and conditioning also is about, right? So if you're working with, let's say, an athlete, and uh, if you're working with a a tennis player who's right-handed, then you know that, you know, his right hand is the dominant side, and that's the one that's constantly used. So probably that hand is uh, is something that maybe I need to work more on external rotation on that side. So Mm -hmm. if I'm doing, let's say, five reps on this side, I'll probably do 10 reps on that side. So that's just about... Uh, the reason why the athlete or professional athlete is able to do that is because he's gone through that assessment and some expert has told him, okay, if you don't do this backup work of strength and conditioning and kind of working on certain muscles, which are weak right now, then you're not going to play longer. Okay, You're going to end up with an injury. So the same thing happens, but in a slightly less intensity with, with the rest of us who are not professional athletes. Okay, so I'm going to put you in a spot and maybe be a little politically incorrect. Now, you obviously train a lot of trainers and you've seen different kinds of trainers come to the gym. How do people choose a trainer? You know, like people are listening to this and saying, okay, they've just told me I'm going to go and get professional help. Now, how do you evaluate whether this dude knows what he's talking about or is he coming right. from, you know, my own experience hai, or is he like YouTube University? Where is he coming yeah. from? And how would you evaluate? Like, are there little checks that you can tell our listeners? Huh, so that is a challenge. Yeah. Uh, especially, yeah. Especially now that... Like, everybody is a fitness, you know, you see stuff on yeah. Instagram and I'm seeing atrocious form, but I'm in, yeah. I'm, I'm training like <laughs> people like, how? How? Like, train yourself yeah. first. Like, so how do you get to that <laughs> mindset? Sure, sure. Well, again, I might sound a bit harsh, mm-hmm. But a couple of things that I would see if I was going to train with somebody, one is, of course, if he practices what he preaches, okay. right? So I can say a lot of things. And if I'm not really following it myself, then it makes it makes it a little hard for me to trust that person. Having said that, of course, he could be somebody who is he or she could be, you know, past their prime and maybe still in the industry. And, you know, they've done whatever they had to do in their age, but they have the experience. And because of that experience, if they are speaking out of that experience, great. That's still okay. But if you're, let's say, in your 20s or your 30s and you're talking about certain things, but if you're still not putting it into practice, then that's a red flag for me. Hmm. That's number one. Number two, what you need to watch out for, which I'm not super particular about, but which will definitely help is obviously certifications. You know, look at the, always ask. And it's, you have every right to ask because you're paying for this person, right? So you ask what what certification they've done. 
And if a simple Google search will tell you uh, a few things about that certification and if it's really a internationally recognized one, does it teach enough for that person to understand, you know, even basics of human anatomy, biomechanics, etc. But having said that, of course, there are a lot of trainers out there I know who do not care about certifications, but are still great trainers. But of course, you know, that's something that will take a little bit of homework to understand who those guys are. And that's people rare are in any like, case. Are, so like, hopefully you will not be coming across such people right in the beginning of your yeah. journey. <laughs> yeah. So you'd rather stick to somebody who, who, you know, these factors that you can kind of easily look at and say, okay, this is somebody who I can work with. And of course, the third one is, you know, how professional is your trainer? You know, he could have all the certifications. He could know everything that he needs to know under the sun. But if he's not uh, professional in the sense that it could be in terms of punctuality or it could be in terms of, you know, certain things. There are certain parameters that you want to kind of make sure that, especially if you're working with somebody, because you're essentially entrusting this person with your body. It's not a, you know, a project which is something external. Uh, he's literally telling you exactly what you need to do to get better body and mind so a little bit of homework is definitely due but at the same time again i would say don't try to get everything right the first time i personally had to go through two or three kind of trainers to then find not that you know i did too much of personal training i did go through a couple of them in the beginning and i feel like i probably wouldn't train with them right now but what they taught me back in the day really helped me at that point so you will go through a couple of trainers before you find this is what I want. So I would say it's okay. You know, sometimes if you get it a little wrong, it's okay, but you'll figure out what, what you really need. And, and, and sometimes when you find the right trainer, you will know, like there will be a connection. You will know, uh, you will vibe with them. And, uh, and, and then somewhere you'll know, okay, this is exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. It might take a little bit of time, but you'll figure it out. But, but there is a little bit of homework that needs to happen from the client's side. Even the softer skills, right? right? Can I have a conversation with this person? You know, I'm going to be spending <laughs> one hour every day. Does he or she make me feel good about myself at the end of the day? Right? Yeah. Especially if you're going to meet him first thing in the morning. Like, what <laughs> is the rest of your day going to feel like after that? So true, all those things true. are and, important too. Yeah, and sometimes you're in touch, uh, you know, throughout the day. Like, they're probably telling you, you know, what what your grocery shopping needs to look like. They're advising you on your sleep patterns and your recovery, etc. So it's not just that one hour also. So you're right. Yeah. So having a really good relationship with your trainer is, is, is paramount. You know, this whole fitness industry, people find it very confusing, right? Like everyone's telling you to do different, different kinds of things. And like, like I started the conversation by saying, you learned so much. How do you focus mm. only on one aspect without getting confused by so many other things that are going on? And this is something that I hear a lot of people saying that, you know, Ashton, there's so much information I have no clue what is misleading, what is good quality information when it comes to all of this. The question is that, how do you start sifting through this? Is it all trial and error? Are there certain ways to judge what is the kind of information that's coming to you that is good quality versus not? I would say don't uh, look for quality fitness tips on social media. Okay. Unless you already have been following somebody and you know a person has a certain amount of credibility and experience, etc. And if you're following this particular individual because of different reasons, and then he's putting up these short maybe videos or whatever, and you know, nah, no, reels, for example, like in 30 seconds, pretty much teaching a lot, then it's fine. But I would definitely not advise 
just scrolling through Instagram, for example, looking for fitness advice by random individuals because the intention for somebody putting up that content could be something completely different and you don't know what it is. Correct. So I would say what I did as well when in the beginning of my fitness journey is I kind of did a little bit of sifting through different fitness channels. And I kind of, obviously, because I was also at that point studying and so I kind of knew the right from the wrong. You know, I had that general sense of somebody who is actually knows what he's saying or if he's just a good seller. So once you do that, then once you kind of zero in on, okay, these, let's say five individuals who really know what they're talking about. And it's also good to kind of find people who specialize in a particular thing, you know, as opposed to this one guy who talks about everything under the sun, Mm -hmm. finding somebody who's really, let's say you you want to get into running then find a running coach and somebody who has, let's say a YouTube channel on that and speaks specifically on that. Because if he's going to be putting out so much content on just running, then you know, he's doing his homework and you know, he's studying that one particular topic really well. So that helps. So yeah, look for people who specialize. Like I personally, I'm somebody who's like jack of all trades. Hmm. I love exploring different things. Did one you ever into running? For a bit, because I got into obstacle racing. Okay. So, but I... I the devil's uh, races and stuff like that. Yeah, that was, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. I did a few of them. Um, but the thing is, what I found out from certain assessments and like understanding my body type, etc., I'm actually built for long distance running. If I actually got into long distance running, I might actually do well, but I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's, that's where you have to find that balance again. You know, I might, I might end up really doing really well and competing and winning also in a few years if I start training, but Am I really going to be happy doing it every day? Yeah, yeah. So that's Mm -hmm. what I need to figure. Like, I don't mind a 5K. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I don't mind pushing myself running a 10K. I'll still enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But I can't do it every single day, you know? So like that, like I have a few things that I really am interested in. And I kind of, you know, dive into it. I do it for a while. But, you know, I would much rather suggest people, especially if they are starting off, to not kind of spread the net too far and just kind of pick a few things. Let's say I'm going to... I have, I'm going to focus and, and, and sometimes what really works for people is just like having a, let's say a a timeline, let's say a 90 days, these three months, I'm going to really focus on my, myself and my fitness. And in those three months, I'm going to focus on these aspects of it as opposed to saying, okay, that guy's mobility is great. I want to get there. Oh, this guy's super strong. I want to start lifting heavy. Oh, this guy runs so fast. I'm going to go and do some sprints then you're going to overwhelm yourself. And it's also that much harder to kind of then follow that much information online about all of these different aspects of fitness. So maybe choose two. maybe say, okay, I'm going to work on my strength. I'm also going to work on my flexibility. And these two guys are super good at it. I'm going to follow them. So I would say, you know, lesser content, but more specific content really helps. I like that because otherwise you just keep going after the next, you know, glittery yeah. object and you end up yes. nowhere. So I like your exactly. idea of 90 days, focus on just one thing, don't get distracted yeah. by anything else, stick to it and you will end up seeing a result because of that. Yeah. And like we spoke about earlier, track it. Track so it. in those 90 days, at the end of the three months, you'll see you've actually progressed if you track it. Dave, I think these are super tips because I'm I'm really looking forward to our next podcast where we're going to break down this. And I have a few questions I want to ask you on consistency because I've seen you being so consistent over the years. So that's something that I want to definitely ask you on. They have yeah. anything about this fitness journey that you want to share that we haven't covered with our listeners? My fitness journey? Or the fitness journey that they might be on. Any few parting words of wisdom for them? I would say keep it simple. 
don't complicate things you you know because there's so much information like for example if somebody really wants to eat healthy right now there's somebody is doing an intermittent fasting somebody is doing a paleo somebody is doing a keto somebody is gluten free somebody is you know so carnivore yeah it really overwhelms you and somewhere you question yourself you know thinking like am i doing the right thing unless there's something drastically going wrong with your health you don't need to change much okay if there is like a red flag if you've done some tests and if you really need to change something yes then that's when you might need to completely do a u turn and change the way you eat but if it's if you're healthy right now if you're waking up not feeling like shit then you can just worry about small changes right so if maybe your goal is just to lose some weight that's okay it's not the end of the world and it's a small thing and it's something that's very achievable and you just make small changes like something as simple as okay i'm going to wake up tomorrow and i've been used to eating let's say something sweet after every meal because you know it's like a dessert that i have to have after every meal correct you just say okay i'm not going to do that for every meal i'm going to do that only after lunch and maybe if i was having one big piece of let's say gulab jamun or whatever i'm going to reduce that to half but i have to stick to that mm mm-hmm. and i have to say okay i'm going to consistently do this again fix the time frame i'm going to do this for 30 days and let's see what happens after 30 days you might feel like oh wow okay i don't feel like eating that sweet anymore after dinner because now you know your body is feeling like because sometimes when you go off certain kinds of food is when you realize that your body actually likes that your gut actually likes that wanted it it's yeah. just that the, yeah it's just that the tongue is it gives you immediate feedback it immediately tells you wow this tastes good so you are ignoring all of the other things which is happening inside your body mm-hmm. so just kind of making small changes and giving it time for your body to adapt you will automatically kind of your body starts to reject some of the things that actually doesn't serve it fair and you don't realize it unless you go off it so same with training keep it simple small changes at a time and don't try to kind of change everything at once which is going to really overwhelm you and then make you quit so yeah that's probably the simplest advice that last one was spot on right just like don't try and overwhelm yourself just keep it simple be consistent and that is the way to get the change in yeah dev thank you so much for joining us on the habit coach podcast how can people reach out to you how can people connect with you continue this conversation uh the best way to reach out to me is on instagram my tag is ninja.dev on insta so yeah if there's anything fitness related if you hit me up there um, and your online classes where can people check out all the all the cool stuff that you're doing sure so so my gym is called academy of strength on instagram it's academy.of.strength and that's if you live in bangalore we are in indranagar and we are opening whitefield in about a couple of weeks so those are the two options for people in bangalore but if you are anywhere else then we have an online setup it's called speedy ninjas on instagram and that's where we kind of take people through like a six week journey of online training both training as well as uh, nutrition fantastic lovely we should have actually put the podcast on our kannada podcast which we have on the habit coach oh. because we have got <laughs> everyone from bangalore on it <laughs> lovely i can't wait for our next conversation thank you so much dev awesome ash bye 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 Now if you like this podcast don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network you can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com you can also follow us on social media we are at IBM podcast on twitter and instagram if you want to reach out to me i am at ashtin doc on twitter and instagram we have a brand new habit coaching online course 
quizzes, videos and a lot more on the website awesome180.com. So check it out now.